0: KYW News Radio original podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon and this is one-on-one. On One. Obviously there's certain times
1: where you have to think about it as a job and so on and so forth. But you know, I, I, I try to as much as possible realize how fortunate I am to do what I do. How many people would give up so much to do what I do. And I, I, just, I just kind of count my blessings every day, and, and I'm really fortunate.
0: And our guest this week is former Temple Star golfer, now professional golfer, Brandon Matthews. Brandon, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: So as we're talking here in early January, we are uh, about 10 months into a global pandemic. What's life been like for you? Uh, I know you've been back on the links uh, recently, but overall, what's uh, the last year been like?
1: hectic a lot of uncertainty we weren't really sure um we're still not really sure what our wraparound season looks like and so on and so forth for latino america um a hundred percent you know we there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered in in the next coming weeks and months with uh, travel restrictions and so on and so forth so it's just been crazy you know kind of just taking it one step at a time this year it's really really kind of taken my mind to the short-term goals and you know kind of basically put the long-term goals on, on kind of a halt a little bit, you know, because we, we don't know, you know, for uh, what was it, about six months, we really didn't know what our next tournament was, where we were going to be going next, whether, you know, borders were going to open up, whether we can travel to different countries or not, whether they were going to give us permission to come in. And so um, it was awesome to be able to play um, two official events to end the year at, on PGA Tour Latino America there. Uh, One in Miami and one in the DR. And, um, you know, hopefully we're going to get going again here in, uh, you know, late February, early March. And just really, you know, really thankful to be able to play again. Um, You know, it was a long year for everybody, um, no matter what you did. Um, It was it was pretty crazy, pretty hectic. And, um, you know, we're glad to see a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here.
0: And you mentioned uh, the recent tournaments. You were able to win that. I think is it the Dominican Republic Open that had to be, and I won it by five strokes. Had to be thrilled to end the year on that note.
1: Yeah, it was the Puerto Plata Open, and it was it was it was fun. Yeah, uh, my game has been feeling really good here for a while now. I mean, you know, the better part of of over a year here, and I just really haven't put four rounds together like I know I'm capable of, and. The putter ne- never really necessarily cooperated for four full rounds, and it's finally starting to cooperate on a more consistent basis, and obviously it cooperated for four rounds in the DR there, and uh, it was fun. You know, that's the thing. I, I, I kept telling people I was really close to not just winning, but, you know, winning significantly, and felt like I, I approved that uh, a couple weeks ago.
0: For people that aren't familiar, uh, explain a little bit about PGA Tour Latino America. Is it a tour that is focused on Latin America, as the name would indicate?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, basically a feeder tour to the Corn Ferry. This is the tour that I played on in 2017 that got me Corn Ferry status. You know, so hopefully, obviously, we're just right back on that same track to get that. But this time, obviously, when I get to the Corn Ferry, I expect to move up quickly. Um, My game's progressed a ton. And this tour, you know, gives gives guys and has given me incredible amounts of opportunities throughout the years. And, you know, there's there's several guys that are having massive successes on the PGA Tour who have come from this tour, Canada and China, which are all under the same kind of umbrella there. So, um, look, again, looking forward to um, finishing out the season here really strong. Uh, We have three events down so far. It looks like we're going to be playing 10 to 12 events total. And, um, you know, hopefully we can get another win or two.
0: And corn Ferry, that is the the level that leads to the PGA Tour, am I correct? Yes. So let's take the big picture look here. What's your earliest golf memory growing up? Yeah, so
1: earliest golf memory is from the first house I ever lived in, Durier, Pennsylvania. Um, I remember with uh, my grandfather, grandmother, and my parents just hitting plastic golf balls with plastic clubs when I was really young. You know, that had to be under four years old, really. So that's the first memory I have significantly with, with golf. And then obviously it grew from there over the years. I remember, you know, really obviously I I was, I was very um, into baseball. I I played on a ton of travel teams. I think it was at one point I was on eight baseball teams in one year and just, it was always go, go, go baseball. And I, I remember significantly when I was around 12, 13 years old kind of just looking at it. And I just, I didn't have the desire to do it anymore. I really had the desire to play golf. I I liked it a lot more. There was a lot less running involved as well, (laughs) which helps. And it, it was just, it was really intriguing to me because, you know, everything falls upon you. You know, there's no one that you can blame for an error. You know, you can't pitch a, you can't pitch a no hitter and lose the game kind of thing. So, um, you know, the blame is on yourself. Um, it's you against the world basically. And, uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. That aspect of golf really has um driven me throughout the years to try to obtain a, as much success as I possibly can.
0: Do you remember a moment when it when the idea of it being fun and the idea that you're pretty good at it start to come together? Like it's one thing to go out and and you know, hit the ball around the course and enjoy it an afternoon. But do you start to to notice that you can do things that maybe other golfers can't? That you're you're you just seem to be ahead of the pack. Do you, is there a a moment when that light bulb went off, or was it just kind of gradual and everything kind of came together?
1: You know, I, it's funny. Um, I still don't think that light bulb has went off because you know I I really enjoy what I do, and I try not to think about it. Obviously, there's certain times where you have to think about it as a job, and so on and so forth. But you know, I, I, I try to, as much as possible, realize how fortunate I am to do what I do, how many people would give up so much to do what I do. And, and I I just, I just kind of count my blessings every day and, and I'm really fortunate. <clears throat> but, you know, 12, 13 years old was when someone kind of came up to my dad and said, Hey, you know, you might want to go full force golf here. You might actually have something. So, you know, to answer your question a little bit in, in that aspect, you know, it was, it was around the 12, 13 age when I, was slowing down with baseball and picking up with golf a little bit when I started putting a little bit more time um, into the golfing side of things. But um, you know, like I said, I my, my dad really taught me a great lesson when when I was about fourteen, fifteen years old. He said he said, "But when this stops being fun, that's when you need to put the clubs down and go do something else." Now that's obviously a broad statement that could mean for a week, for a month, for for a year, you know you know, I, I've taken that statement uh, my entire life to heart. And whenever I feel like I'm overwhelmed by golf, you know, that's the greatest thing. It's 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 such an individual sport. It's not like, you know, I have to necessarily show up for a team. It's, it's myself. So when I realize I need a break, I need to take a break. And I've, uh, like I said, taken that to heart. And it's uh, proved to do really well for me when I listen to it.
0: So you talk about being 12, 13, and somebody approaches your dad said. So what is you know kind of starting to take it seriously what goes into that i mean obviously you you you're playing a lot and working on things but are there junior tours are there do you do you start to meet with people who maybe give you lessons give you constructive criticism what 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 kind of pushes you on the track that help get you where you are now what is that at that age
1: yeah i mean that all depends on you know the area and what kind of financial situation you're in really. You know, if you're in a fantastic financial situation, you can build an entire team around you and there's no issues, no thought about that. But, you know, for me, I'm from Northeast Pennsylvania, grew up, grew up very blue collar and I'm extremely thankful for that. Taught me a lot of extremely valuable lessons that I'll hold dear until the day I die. But, you know, the, there's certain things that we couldn't, couldn't do. I couldn't travel, um, you know, the junior circuit as a 15, 16 year old, like, like some, uh, some kids were able to do, um, you know, playing things like the AJGA, you know, we couldn't, couldn't really afford to travel throughout the country and do those kind of things. So I kind of stayed at the state and local level for the most part for my junior career, um, got a couple swing coaches throughout the, um, first few years, basically of, um, me really kind of putting the, pedal of metal there and and going full on golf you know first my first ever swing coach his name was John Bowden he was he was fantastic and he kind of brought me to a point where you know he kind of looked at my dad and said if you want me to if you want to pay me to just watch him hit balls here I'm I'm good with that you can just keep handing me money but you know you might want to get another eye and um, that's when I went on to my longtime swing coach Corey McIlarney for a while and then, you know, transferred to a few other ones. Obviously, my coach, Brian Quinn at Temple University, helped me out a tremendous amount. And then, you know, now I've, I find myself with uh, my my new swing coach, Dale Gray, who has done an absolutely incredible job over this last year. And, you know, a lot goes into, you know, building your team and finding the right people. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, it's, it's, it's fun, the amount of people that I've met. And they've, they've all been great and have all taught me incredibly valuable lessons.
0: You go to Temple, what led to that decision? Was it uh, Temple showed the most interest and you liked what you saw? Were they one of several in the, the running? How did it come together that you ended up in Al?
1: Yeah, so again, um, like I was saying before with the AJJA and stuff like that, that's now um, the main factor in coaches' decisions, recruiting kids. That's the main tour that they look at. Um, and I didn't play really any of those, so I wasn't really on people's radars early for golf you know freshman sophomore year is when you know coaches start kind of form forming decisions on who they're going to recruit and who they're going to bring in and sign and by mid to late part of my junior year of high school was when I really was playing well on a, a higher stage and by that time it was it was a lot of you know we can give you a partial scholarship we can you know have you walk on and then as soon as you prove yourself so on so forth this and that and you know Coach Quinn at Temple just basically called me up and said, Hey, bud, we're, we're here for you. We want you here. Took a couple months to make the decision, um, visited, so on and so forth, and talked to a couple different schools. And, you know, uh, Temple just felt easy for me. It felt like home, obviously, being a Pennsylvania kid, and I was only two hours down the turnpike. So, um, like I said, it was an easy decision, felt like home. And I think I made the right decision.
0: How's the transition to being a college golfer? It's interesting because I'll have conversations with people and talking about their journey, and you know, if you're a hockey player, there is a big speed of the game jump when you go from a high school to a college Mm -hmm. or to a junior or in any sport. Is there anything equivalent in the college game? Obviously, when you're talking about competition, the competition's better. Uh, But was there stuff you had to adjust to at the college level? Because it is, as you point out, like it's you. You know, it's, it's, you're not reliant on, on anything else. Yeah, well, that's actually
1: the kind of different thing about the college level. You really want to, um, even though it is an individual sport, you, you have a team there. And, you know, obviously you have a team at the high school level too, but this is this is a lot larger spectrum with NCAAs and so on and so forth. It's very similar throughout every level if you're confident enough, I feel. I've been fortunate enough that every level that I have – to, too, um, you know, whether it's junior to high school, high school to college, college professional, and then Latino to corn fairy, so on and so forth. I've done well pretty quickly. You know, second tournament I played on Latino, I won. Um, my second tournament that I played at Temple University, I won. So it's kind of, in my opinion, I, I think I just had the confidence that I was good enough to go out there and win quickly. Um, I felt like my game was good enough you know, I still feel that way with whatever stage that I get on. You know, I was fortunate enough to get that exemption earlier in the year to Arnold Palmer. I felt like I could go out and win that tournament. I, you know, unfortunately didn't didn't putt the best that week. Putted pretty horribly, actually. But, uh, you know, I, I really felt like I could could have went out there and really contended. And um, that's just the way I was kind of built. And I don't think that's ever going to change.
0: So you talk about winning your second tournament at Temple. When you look back at your Temple career, what are the memories that kind of bubble to the surface first when you when you think about your time with the Owls?
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. That first win, um, I hit one of the best shots I probably ever will in my career. It was the first playoff hole, playing against uh, two other kids. We were tied for a lead up at uh, Volsbridge in Kent, Connecticut, playing Hartford's event. And uh, it was a par five. And uh, playing a little bit into the win, I hit this really sweet 255 260 yard three iron that i hit to like eight feet and it was one of the purest golf shots i ever hit coach my coach was right next to me next to me while i hit it and it was just a really cool moment obviously still had to go up and make the putt but ended up making that but it was uh you know that that shot really stood out and you know there's a couple of things that obviously kind of are trampling to to success and you know when you can confidently hit a shot like that under that kind of pressure, you know, going for your first college win as a freshman in your second event. You know, that propelled me to have the confidence to understand that I can do this on a consistent basis. And, you know, I I grew a lot over the next couple of years. And I think it kind of came pretty full circle about uh what my preparation and hard work ended up doing to my golf game my junior year. I had an awesome junior year, ended up being an all American and and it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's been a fun journey to think back, uh, especially at those Temple days. Those were a fun four years.
0: The whole time you're on this track, is the motivation, I'm going to take this pro, I'm going to at least try to, to play this? Or was there a moment when that starts to, to crystallize that, you know what, I could really, the success I'm having, the confidence I'm playing with, I could really do this?
1: Yeah, and, you know, that went into my decision to pick in a college. It was funny, you know, I I went into my um, advisor after my first semester at Temple and I said, listen, I I said, I don't mean to sound whatever here, but, uh, you know, I'm really not here for the schooling. You know, I am I'm I'm fortunate to get a degree here. This is a fantastic school, but I'm here so I can make that step to play professional golf. And that's, that's what I was there to do. Um, the entire time I knew that. And, um, you know, my advisor was funny. He goes, all right. he goes, let's get you in a program where you can be the best golfer you can be," kind of thing. So it was, it was, it was, he was great. Um, it was, it was, um, it was an awesome four years and, you know, going there and understanding that that was my ultimate goal is to be professional, play professional and succeed at a professional level. Those three things in golf are so different. You know, succeeding at a professional level takes a lot of hard work and dedication. Just playing professionally—that's one of the easiest things you can do nowadays. Because, honest, anybody can sign up as a professional for an event. So, you—if you have the funding behind you—you you can play as many professional events as you want and, until the day you die. But, you know, really succeeding as a professional is where it gets to the point of hard work, dedication, talent—all um, culminate together. And you know, a week like a couple of weeks ago in the DR where. I was fortunate enough to win by a few, and that's where all that hard work, dedication, you know, comes together, and, and that's when, you know, you can take a deep breath after it's over, you're holding the trophy, and, and realize, you know, the hard work you put in was, was all worth it.
0: Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with former Temple University golfer Brandon Matthews right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, professional golfer Brandon Matthews. So when you when you start to become a professional for people that don't know and you mentioned that anyone can with the right funding or whatever but for you know is it something you take part in a tournament and uh, it leads to the next one do you is there a lot of paperwork to fill out how does it how does it work how does one that can play at your level and be serious about it how do you start that professional journey yeah it's
1: it's it's funny you know we 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 used to talk about it all the time it's literally just signing up for an event as a professional it's 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 funny and then getting your amateur status back is actually the harder part but uh you know if you want to sign up as a professional start playing in mini tour events you're more than welcome to so you know but getting the, the stepping stones to get to the pga tour and to get to those higher levels you know there's obviously pathways like For example, obviously, I'm on the the, uh, Latin America Tour, have been on the Corn Ferry Tour. So those are the steps, you know, the traditional steps to make it onto the PGA Tour. You know, it's, you know, basically like baseball. You got triple A, double or yeah, you got triple A, double A, single A and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, when you advance up that ladder is that that's basically the traditional way to do It's just advance up that ladder, go through the steps. And, you know, obviously progress as you're doing it. That's, that's the greatest thing. These tours that we play on provide pathways for us, but also help us mature with, you know, a lot of these kids are 22, 23 years old. Like I was, um, you know, first traveling, doing everything on your own, basically for the first time when you're, when you're booking stuff. So, you know, you learn a lot as well, um, especially traveling to different countries and and how to do things
0: was, is that. I don't want to diminish the how difficult it is to play golf at the level you're playing, but all that other stuff you just mentioned, booking things, being in charge of yourself like that and kind of being an entity in a professional world like that, was that almost as hard if not harder than the golf?
1: Yeah, I mean, not really. And for me, you know, it's 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 exciting, you know, especially your first year out there got them, you know, booking a ticket to go to Buenos Aires, Argentina, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it depends on the, which way you look at it. You know, for me, I look at it at almost everything I can glass half full, you know, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate, you know, I'm 26 years old and I've gotten to see a good portion of the world, you know, a lot more than most people are going to see in their lifetimes. So for me to be able to do that, I'm extremely fortunate, extremely happy and, and I don't lose sight of that, of how, how lucky I really am. But, you know, that's, that's another thing that that's the motivation you get to, because you realize how fortunate you are. Some people can kind of lose, lose track a little bit and kind of, you know, maybe not work as hard and just kind of soak it in a little bit too much. You just need to realize, you know, how much hard work that these guys are putting in now, especially with all the technology that's out for golf to, Talking about it actually yesterday with a good friend of mine who was a longtime, very well-respected pro in the New York area. You know, we were talking about how technology has given the young players now the tools and the ability to succeed at a much higher level because, you know, you get soft conditions, no wind kind of thing um, on any golf course, you're going to have insanely low scores because of how precise this technology is and how good it's making players.
0: How do you approach getting better? What I mean by that is, do you kind of do a self-diagnostic after a tournament that, you know, I was hitting well off the tee, did not like my short game, putting was okay, and is that the focus going forward, or do you take a more holistic where you just go out and play and every shot that you take, you just try to get better every shot?
1: A little bit of combination of both, you know, obviously if you go out and in an event and you hit every you know let's say you had 100 yards on every hole and you hit one of them inside 20 feet well obviously your wedge game needs work so you're going to go work on your wedge game but you can't get too too disappointing yourself with one bad day with a certain aspect of your game can't take it too much to heart because at the end of the day you're going to have you're going to have a bad night you know Steph Curry's gonna have a bad night shooting threes you know and and it's not gonna be the end of the world you know but it's, it's just important to realize that, you know, I, um, there's a great quote in a book about percentages and how, well, okay, well, if you just missed two five-footers in a row, your percentages just spiked incredibly to make that next one. So if you look at everything in the correct way, instead of, oh, God, I just missed two five-footers, I hope I don't miss this next one, you know, looking at things in the right way, learning how to mentally approach adversity, how to overcome that, I think, is extremely important. So structure is obviously important in golf, but understanding the mental aspect of it and how to overcome, you know, um, a little bit of a slump or, you know, a bad day is is also just as important.
0: Do you watch a lot of video of yourself?
1: Uh, for the most part, um, I would say, you know, I, I'm looking at videos of my golf swing on average three to four times a week. Sometimes more, sometimes less, you know, I'll I'll go two weeks sometimes without looking at my golf swing at all, depending on obviously how I'm hitting it and so on and so forth. Because, you know, there's certain there's certain times where you need a little bit more video, you need a little bit more structure, you need a little bit more work. But, you know, if you're really just feeling good, um, like I didn't I didn't look at one video of my golf swing where it was the entire week in the DR because I just felt so good about it feeling really good where I was at. Everything was feeling phenomenal. So for me, if I looked at a video of my golf swing and I saw saw something, I'm like, God, maybe that's not quite perfect. I didn't want to go messing around because that week I knew I was going to make it work. Just felt really good about it. So kind of a happy medium, good balance of of when you really need to self-assess and and look at yourself and kind of call your swing coach and and talk about a few things or you just kind of just need to let it go and, and just let yourself play golf
0: talk about you know approaching getting better what do you find is the most challenging part for you what is the part of your game that you, you find you come back the most to
1: yeah uh it's always been putting but god i found something recently that's really good it's been fun the last couple of weeks you know i i went through so many stretches of streaky putting where you know I'll putt good for one round putt bad for two putt okay for one and then you know I sit at a tournament in 10th and I'm like god I could have won this thing by five you know and you know going out and actually winning this tournament by five I realize that I'm on a really good path with what I'm doing and I need to just keep trusting in it um no matter what like I'm talking like I was talking about you're going to have a bad day so on and so forth and and you know, having the mental clarity to realize that everything is just a part of the process and sticking with sticking with one method that really works for you, no matter how bad it can get for a couple of days or a week or so on and so forth, realizing that that's the right thing that you need to do. And that's the process that I'm on with my putting right now. And I'm really looking forward to this next year because I'll tell you what, if I can keep putting like I am, I, I'm not totally sure exactly what's going to happen, but it's, it's going to be all good.
0: You talk about discovering something uh, as much as you want to disclose, but is it something somebody said, something you noticed watching yourself, yeah. like, it and just like that aha moment. Like, I can't believe I never put that together.
1: Yeah. So it's definitely not something that I would have thought of myself. I um, was playing with a very good friend of mine and he was watching me putt for like a week straight. He goes, dude, you need to do something. He goes, you're just struggling so bad. You just need some new thought. He goes, this is what I went to, um, back 25 years ago. I think he went to it and he said, I do not see a single reason to ever change. And he kind of gave me the things that he does on a daily basis. Um, the articles that he sent to me that he bases in his entire theory of putting off of, and it was, it was amazing how quickly I started putting well. And then the confidence, you know, kind of built after I played a tournament with it. And then the second literally the second tournament that I played was the uh the D the Puerto Plato open. And um, you know, obviously good things happen there. So looking forward to what this is gonna kind of show show up with in twenty twenty one because there's a lot of events that I play where I self assess and realize that I could have won if I had the putter working. So to actually have the putter working right now and to truly believe that it's going to continue that way, I've really never felt this before kind of thing. I've never felt this confident in what I was doing on the greens. And um, if it can continue that way and I putt like I think I'm going to putt this year, I think it's going to be a really quick rise.
0: Do you have all the tournaments you played, What is the city, what's the setting you enjoyed the most? Not even what kind of success you had or how the course played, but just, like, you just looked around like, wow, this is an incredible venue, or this is a really cool city, or what a great week I had in Place X. Is there one place you've gotten to experience that's above the rest?
1: Tell you what, there is a, there's a few of them. That's the greatest thing about traveling as much as I do, especially to different countries. I mean, there, there's some places that no one has any idea that uh, they exist. And like, you know, one example, there's, there's a volcano that erupted a few years ago in Nicaragua. I'm sorry, not in Nicaragua, Guatemala. And we played an event there. It was a um, Perry Dye design, Pete Dye's son and it was on this, literally the side of this volcano and unfortunately and tragically the entire golf course is is completely gone now because the volcano erupted but literally the uh the driving range went up the entire the entire volcano and it it was active but mildly so you know it was erupting constantly while you're hitting balls it was really really cool unbelievable views you know but that's just one example of many where you know you kind of just can can take it in and, and realize how fortunate you are to, to be traveling to these places and see these kind of things. Um, and then obviously there's, there's many places in the U S that are so much fun. I'm a big, I'm a big golf lover. I love golf for what it is. I really don't treat this as a job because of how much I enjoy doing it. So just to go to a different place and be fortunate enough to play some of the golf courses that I've played in general, whether it's a different city or a different location, whether it's a top hundred golf course, so on and so forth. I just, I, I love playing a new golf course. I love playing a new venue, love seeing new places. And, you know, hopefully I can get to do this for the rest of my life.
0: How often do you play golf strictly recreationally just with a buddy? You guys go out and you, you spend the whole time and are you able, I don't know, are you able to disconnect the professional in you and just kind of go out leisurely and play, or is there always that oh've got to be careful how oh, I hit this like you know what I mean like is there a, is there a difference
1: semi uh I, you know I would say that I'm always striving to get better no matter whether I'm playing recreationally or or with a per with an extreme purpose that week? a bad shot is a bad shot I think that's always going to be unacceptable, but doesn't mean you're gonna absolutely ridicule yourself for it. You know, I play golf six days a week for the most part. I really enjoy doing it. For me, I try to make the two weeks leading up to an event or a stretch of events, I try to make that the the preparation. And beyond that, I just try to really enjoy the game. You know, if I have a couple weeks stretch in the summer where I get to take some time off and go play golf with my dad. You know, that's one of the greatest things that I enjoy. Or if I have him down here, so on and so forth. I've gotten to really cherish those kind of opportunities that I get to do and uh, have learned how valuable they are.
0: We talk about some of the great venues. How exciting is it just from a social, from a human standpoint, to interact with people that you – wouldn't interact with the Northeast Philadelphia on the tour and get to kind of get waist deep in the culture that maybe you're not familiar with that. I would imagine that's got to be a really fun, uh, kind of benefit of being on the the Latin American tour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, being where I've been over the last few years, again, I, I expect to be there too, you know? So for me, it's, it's like second nature of, you know, being around some of these guys, these are guys that I've you know, played a lot, a lot of amateur golf with growing up too. So, um, you know, if that was another great thing, you know, at the Arnold Palmer, you know, seeing some old friends that are having a ton of success on tour now to see a few of the, those guys that I used to play a lot of golf with. And, you know, again, just realizing that, you know, I'm not far away from having that kind of success, just kind of need to keep my head down. And, and again, for, for me, it's not the starstruck aspect or so on and so forth, because again, you know, maybe not I didn't grow up playing golf of Tiger Woods, but there's several other people who are doing very well out there that I did grow up playing with. And I need to realize that, you know, that's very, very achievable.
0: Brandon Matthews, thanks so much for taking the time for this. Enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it.
0: And that will do it for this week's episode of One on One. Want to thank former Temple University golf star Brandon Matthews for being our guest this week. If you like the podcast and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with another conversation with someone you should know more about.